Today I want to talk uh, through James 4. We're verse 11 through 17. It's been a study through this letter of James. He is writing to the church in the first century, trying to help people really authentically know Jesus and follow Jesus, emulate Jesus. And he is very straightforward. We have joked about this week after week, and James never lets up. I like this guy a lot. I think him and I would hang out if, if we were like, you know, in the same century or whatever. Uh, this guy just goes. And, and I'm always inspired by people that have that kind of tenacity. But uh, man, he just comes again and again and again with this intensity and this thunder of like, hey, people, do not miss who God has called you to be. Do not miss what he wants to do in your life. And today, the conversation is, uh, I guess my best summary is it's about humility. It's about being humble. It's about not being arrogant, about being boastful and slanderous and judgmental. And, and, and I, I really think the conversation of humility is a challenging one because, one, I think humility is a very freeing place to be. You're not bound up by all your plans and figuring your life out and trying to control all the outcomes. Freedom and humility comes as you recognize who you really are and what you really don't have control over. And, and, and there's a sense of, like, relief when you realize, like, oh, I'm not that big of a deal. It's a really good place to be. But the journey to humility is always a painful one. Amen? It's always a challenge. The journey from a place of arrogance, a place of self-righteousness, a place of, of self-determined future to, to a place of humility is always uh, kind of a tough journey. And so what I love about the Spirit of God is that He's always inviting us to actually go there on our own, to actually have a, a hunger in our heart, not, not to be resistant to God and, and just go our own way to where God has to get our attention in a really tough way, but to be somebody who seeks humility who desires to be humble, who, who longs to be changed to a place of, of humility in our hearts and in a place where our hearts are, are not governed by our own agendas and our own desires, but that God would actually have leadership of our hearts. But man, I think about just the journey from arrogant to humble. You can get there a lot of different ways. One of the things that I think is kind of fun way to get there is just to go on adventures, to be adventuresome, to go places you've never been, to do things you've never done, to take yourself out of your comfort zone on purpose. Some of you go, that sounds horrible. But, but I, I honestly love it because you get to experience things you've never experienced when you go on adventures, whether it's, you know, if you're not a woods person getting in the woods or, or traveling to new places. We're, we're, my family and I were in another country a few years back. And it wasn't like a third world country. I would say it's more like a second world, you know, not, not first world like this. Like everything's all figured out already here in, in our world. But, but this, it was like a little bit like, don't get in those taxis. Those guys will drive you to the wrong spot and leave you in the ditch. Like, okay, well, we should know about those kinds of taxis, right? We, we, oh, yeah, you can't rent a car here because there's no way you can drive here. You will die if you drive here. It, those kinds of things were very humbling for us. I remember I had my wife, my two daughters, and I'm like, well, I don't want them to die. I don't want us to die. Let's, let's figure out how to move from here to our hotel safely. That's a good idea. And we hadn't done any of that research prior to getting to that country. And so that was an adventure. And we got there. And we're here now. We're alive still, right? There's, there's so much we learned in that adventure. While I was on sabbatical a few weeks back, um, during that time of rest and restoration for my marriage, my family, I decided, you know, one of the things that's going to be really restful for me is to paint the exterior of my house. 
I did. I decided that. Some of you are like, you're an idiot. No, I really, I really thought it would be restful. And it kind of was. I, I'm, my job is all emotional and like mental and leadership and strategy and all these things that require a lot of brain power and heart and empathy, you know, I'll love people and pray with people. And, and just to like start something, like mowing the lawn is one of the joys of my life, honestly. Like I get to start it and finish it and I get to make the lines straight and it's so good. Because it's simple. It's, it's not like all complicated. It's just there, and it's green, and it's good. Like, it is a good thing. So I thought painting the house would be very similar, except for my house is like 25, almost 30 feet tall at some of the tallest places, and there's ladders involved. I was calling everywhere trying to figure out if I could rent, like, a lift. Do all, no, none of that would work or fit. It was going to have to be ladders, and I am not a ladder guy. I'm not a heights guy. It took me so long to paint just, like, one side of my house because I would go halfway up up the ladder and then go back down, pace around on the ground like, are you, uh, I can't do, I was terrified. I was literally terrified. But, but as, I, as I grew, I, I figured out, okay, if I put in headphones, I'm listening to a book, I'm not hearing the ladder creak and scrape as I'm getting higher and higher, as, as I'm literally wiping bees out of the eaves, you know, and, and, and praying that they don't sting me when I'm 30 feet in the air, you know, like, don't fall, do not do this. There was so much opportunity for me to grow. I'm still not a ladder guy. If you're a painter in the room, God bless you. We, we love you and we need you in this culture, okay? If you're a ladder person, you are amazing. I am not one of those. But, but still, the journey to humility is, is such a, a, an opportunity for us to grow. And I think that James wants to help us with that journey in this passage. He's like, hey, I want to ask you a few questions about your view of yourself, who you think you are. Some of us overinflate our view of ourselves. Some of us deflate our view of ourselves, whether you're insecure or arrogant, however. It's all self-centered, but, but James is wanting to expose our thinking about ourselves and who we think we are and what we bring to this life and to this world. And it's really, um, it's a challenging conversation, but I think it's one that, that God wants to do in our hearts today. And so as we get into this, I think that's what I'm focused on. Okay, humility is freedom. How do I get there from here? And how do I lead my own heart there and not wait for like life just to like crumble and, and, and humble me for me? How do, how do I get there on purpose and, and keep my heart humble? And how do I not allow myself into these places that James talks us through? And so, listen, as we get into James 4, verse 11 here, just think about your view of yourself. Is it accurate? Is it overinflated? Is it inaccurate? He says in, in chapter 4, verse 11, read this with me. He says, brothers, do not slander one another. Don't speak against one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. He's speaking of this law that has governed God's people since he gave it to them thousands of years before this. If you're speaking against a brother or sister, you are judging them and speaking against the law and judging the law itself. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it. I think this is an important distinction. Some of us feel like we are doing God a favor by pointing out the wrongs in all the people around us. He's like, no, you're not actually fulfilling the law by showing me all the people that are breaking the law. You're actually sitting in a place of judgment on it, he says. 
Verse 12, there is only one lawgiver and one judge. He doesn't say this, but we're not it. Notice the capital L and the capital J, lawgiver, judge. These are terms of deity. This is God. This is Jesus. This is not you and I. There's one lawgiver, one judge, and he is the one who is able to save and the one who's able to destroy. It's not us. But you, listen to this question. Who are you? Who are you to judge your neighbor? What gives you the right? Who do you think you are? It's kind of a nice way to ask this question. Where do you get off thinking everybody needs to be looked at, critiqued, and determined by you that you are the authority to make the determination about who people are and where they're at and what they need and what's wrong with them and what's wrong with kids these days? How many times do we make these statements, these bold declarations and these claims about a certain group of people or a certain leader in our country or a certain um, uh, people type, whatever. We, we make these determinations, these judgments, and then we sit in a place of judgment and critique. And then we begin to talk to other people about it and start to try to convince other people that what we think is really the right thing to think, this is called slander. And James is just asking a simple question. Who do you think you are to be the judge? There's only one lawgiver, and there is one judge. You know what makes Jesus the lawgiver? Is that Jesus created all of humanity. He is the one that established mankind. He is the one that spoke it into existence. It is by God's grace that every single one of us are on this planet. And then God is the one through... Jesus Christ, who established this law, and Jesus becomes the perfect fulfillment of this law. So the only one that's credible enough to actually judge according to the law of God is the one that fulfilled the law perfectly. There is only one. <laughs> one lawgiver and one judge, and we are not it. This is an invitation into this journey towards humility. Listen, verse 13. Now listen. You who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city. He's coming at the same conversation, different angle. We're going to go to this city, that city. We're going to spend a year there. We're going to carry on business. We're going to make some money. Life's going to be good. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Here's another one of those questions. Who do you think you are? What is your life? Like, really, what is your life? You are just a mist, a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Well, I thought church was supposed to be inspiring, Richie. <laughs> I thought this was supposed to be encouraging. This is all about getting us to an awareness of who we really are. What is your life? You are a mist. You're a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and we'll do this or we'll do that. As it is, you boast, you brag, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who 
knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. This is a conversation about knowing who you are and having an accurate view of yourself. I think the journey to humility requires some of that in our hearts just to go, oh, where am I? Am I sitting in a place of judgment? Have I allowed my heart to get critical and kind of hardened towards people? Have I thought maybe I know better than everybody else? Is there, is there something that I'm missing in my view of who I am? And I would say to compound the issue is that you have an enemy of your soul. And an enemy of your soul who hates what God is wanting to do in your life. God wants to lead you toward his purpose for your life. He wants to have a heart that's soft and God wants to lead you toward his purposes, but the enemy is trying to harden your heart. He's trying to deceive your heart. He's trying to drag you away by your own desires and keep you enslaved in arrogant ways. So there is a spiritual battle actually for your soul, for your heart to be humble or to be arrogant. And to understand that this is in play here is really helpful because it's, it's not just circumstances. Life's not just happening. There's actually things being set up around you to try to lure you away. The, the culture that we live in, the, the things that we read, the, the stuff that we listen to, so much of this is in play trying to grab your attention and lead you away from the purpose of God. The enemy wants to destroy the work of God in your life. And if he can get you arrogant, he doesn't really got to do much more because then we shut ourselves off to the leadership of God in our hearts and we just do our own thing. We make our own plans. We go our own ways. We think we're right. Everybody else is wrong. We sit in this place of judgment and we slander and we find ourselves completely severed from the, the work of God, the will of God, the leadership of God in our lives, and the enemy is winning. So, so I, I just kind of reveal this just so that we can have a soberness about this conversation. Like, this is difficult, but this is the real work that God wants to do in our lives. Is he wants to lead us to this place of humility. He wants us free. Free from pretending, free from acting like we got it all figured out, free from trying to get the answers right, free from, from trying to manage the future we have no control over, free, uh, free from trying to have a reputation that people are, are, are looking at us as the, the perfect, successful, American, you know, whatever it is that we've attached to our reputation, that binds us up for so many of us and keeps us enslaved to this thing that, that, that leads us farther and farther away from God. So, so, so humility is this, this place of freedom. But I think James is trying to go, okay, guys, I want to help you have a real clear view of who you are, an accurate view of yourself. You can ask the question, who do you think you are? You can ask it in a mean way. You can ask it in a nice way. I mean, who, who do you think you are? And having the clarity around that is such an empowering place to be. And I think that's, even though this is kind of like a, a punch in the nose a little bit this morning, I think it's, it's the journey toward that place of freedom that God wants to get us. So, so let's work on this a little bit. How do we have that accurate view? How do we lead our own hearts to a place of humility? How do we not let life, you know, kind of overwhelm us and beat us down to humble us? But how do we actually lead ourselves intentionally towards more and more humility? First thing... As a team, as we were walking through this, we see James just keeping it really simple in this passage. If you're taking notes today, let's do that. Let's just write that down. Keep it simple. Because I think when we overcomplicate stuff and we make too much of, of 
who we are and where life is at. It just gets all kind of complex and mixed up. And it's just really important sometimes. I do this in, in my own prayer time. I do this when I'm praying with other people. Sometimes in the most desperate situations that I'm praying with somebody in, it's so good to just keep it really simple. And these are the kinds of prayers. These are the kinds of thoughts you could lead yourself into. God, you are God. And I am not. God, you're in control. I'm not. God, you're good. Anything good that comes from this life is going to come from you. God, you are the creator. You are the sustainer of all things. I'm not. Just keep it really simple like this. Just keep your heart kind of aware of your station on this planet in this little tiny slice of history. All of humanity has been existing over the last several thousand years, and we are, we are one little slice in this whole scheme of God's plan and his purpose and his work, and we're in one little city in one little part of the world. It is so easy for all that to get overinflated and think that our slice of history and all of this country and all of this planet, everything is dependent on this one. Whoa, 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 whoa. God is good. He is in control. He knows the beginning from the end. He loves people. He loves the people we're judging just as much as he loves us. For some of us, we've drawn a line in the sand. We're like, well, this is God's side, and that's not God's side. And God is like, well, I love all of you. I died for all of you. Anyone who would put their faith in Jesus Christ, not not the, the, the perfect ones, the, the, the right ones. No, anyone who would put their faith in Jesus Christ would have the right to become a child of God. Anyone who would recognize their sinfulness and their desperate need of a Savior would have the opportunity to be made right with God. Just keep it really simple. It keeps us from judging. It keeps us from slander. The people I'm slandering, God, you love them just as much as you love me. Like, this is just real basic, I know, but, but for me, this is how simple I have to keep it, is, all right, God, you love them, you love me. You're not trying to harm me or keep me from a future. You actually have a hope and a future for this life. And so, God, I'm going to seek you. I am going to trust you. I am going to believe that you know what's best. Even when I can't see the future, I'm going to trust that you have a purpose and plan in mind. Even when I don't know what's going to happen with the circumstance, just keep it really simple. Man, it's just so sobering for me to just go, God, you are God. I'm not. You're in control. I'm not. You ordained these days. I haven't. I'm just going to live the life that you're calling me to live. I'm not going to try to overcomplicate it and make it more than I should. It's just this simple. And I think this kind of clears things up a little bit. As we keep our hearts in this soft place, then, then I think God is able to, to move us more and more towards humility. Further and further away from a life that we're the center of the universe and everything revolves around us. Nobody likes that guy, right? 
But we end up there so quickly. So I just encourage you today, if you're going, I want to walk my own heart towards humility. I want to know, like, accurately who I really am. Just keep it simple. That's the starting place. I also say, though, that it's really important that you learn how to live today and not tomorrow. And again, if you're jotting stuff down, this is, this is really clarifying. James says it in this passage, like, you, you are not promised tomorrow. He says you boast in your arrogant schemes. The word scheme is like derogatory term for plans. Like we're making plans, but like evil people make schemes, right? Well, no, we're just planning out our week. We're planning out our month. We're planning out our retirement. We're planning out this. We're planning out that. Yeah, yeah, It's not bad to plan. But there's, a, there's an awareness that many of us have lost of like, I am only given today. I have no idea, have no control about tomorrow. I have no ability to manufacture anything in any part of tomorrow. So I'm just going to like settle my heart down for a second. And all of my, my strategic scheming and planning, I'm just going to settle down for a second and go, well, what about today? What about the people in my life today? What about the people standing in front of me right now? What about the people that God has given me an opportunity to interact with, the people that, 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 that I love so much that are right here in front of me that I've taken so much for granted because I've been so far in the future? What about just right now learning to live in today with a whole heart, not with a part of your heart because the rest of your heart is in the future. Maybe you're anxiously in the future. Maybe you're excitedly in the future. But, but the bottom line is you are not here. Just live today with a sense of urgency and passion like this day matters. God, whatever you want to do with this life today, I'm yours. What if that was our our prayer in the morning instead of, God, here's what I need from you today. It was us with a simple awareness of our station in life and in eternity with a question, God, what do you want from today? What, what, What do you want of this life today? How, God, would you lead me today? How, how would you have me love and serve and sacrifice today? Man, I think that this could revolutionize some of our, 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 our overwhelmedness, our, our busyness, our, our, our scatteredness. Think of anxiety. Anxiety is just trying to live tomorrow today. You don't have the capacity to do it. Jesus said tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Stop trying to live it today and just live today with a sense of passion and clarity and urgency. Live today, not tomorrow. I love how James helps us with this. He goes, maybe instead of boasting in all your arrogant schemes, you should just say, hey, you know, if the Lord wills it, we will go to that city. We have no idea how it's all going to work out or what exactly God's going to do in it. But, man, if it's the Lord's will, then, yeah, absolutely, we're going to be there. We're going to do that thing. But we're dependent on God, not on ourselves. We're dependent on his leadership, not on our own arrogance. And I think that this is that journey of leading our own hearts into a place of more and more humility, more and more awareness of who we are and Really, who we are in relation to God, in relation to other people. And I think today, there's a lot of responsibility that we have for today. And my, my concern is, the culture we live on, in right now glorifies everything 
but today. And so you don't feel wise. You don't feel successful. You don't feel like you're a good steward. There's put all kinds of spiritual words on this. If you're not living for tomorrow. And I'm all for planning. I plan a lot. I'm a planner. I like, like to figure all that stuff out. But I think what the heart of it is James is going, hey, would you hold this a little more open-handedly, please? Would you not be so like, like you've got this future the way you think it needs to be? Just open that grip a little bit and go, wow, God, you, there's a lot that you might want to do tomorrow. And I'm trusting you for tomorrow. And there's plans that you put in my heart. And there's dreams and there's thoughts that you've given me about the future, God. And I'm not sure how all that's going to work out. And so I'm just going to trust you one day at a time. I'm going to look to the future, plan for the future, do all that. But God, ultimately, you're in control. You're good. I'm, I'm not in control of all of this. I'm going to live for today. And then lastly, I think that this is something God's been doing really specifically in my heart. And I think it, it kind of ties these two thoughts together for me because humility is not something I, I just happen upon naturally. Anybody else? Like, didn't wake up this morning just like super humble. So the Holy Spirit's always getting at the places in my heart and in my mind that tend to trip me up the most. They end up being the places that I'm usually the most proficient at. Right? The things that you're good at. For me, ministry has been my life. My wife and I have been in ministry over 20 years now that we've been doing this full time and there's a lot of proficiency that grows as you do that. And the danger of proficiency is independence from God. You're good at your job. You're good at... It's fun talking to parents that aren't quite parents yet. You know what I mean? And then you talk to parents of teenagers, and they're like, whatever we thought we knew is completely gone. <laughs> we have no idea what we are doing. These, these places of proficiency, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to illuminate in our hearts. Not to say, don't be good at what you do, but just to caution our hearts. Go, wait a minute. Has this proficiency led to a place of independence? The way the Holy Spirit spoke to me towards the end of my sabbatical is I was kind of ramping back up into vision mode, come back to real life, get, you know, let's go, like figure out the future, like all this stuff. We're done with COVID and all those last crazy, can I say crappy, last two years. Um, sorry, I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to say that, but man, it was hard, right? So, so ready to move forward, and, and I have all this angst in me, like, move forward, move forward. Let's go, let's go, let's go, and the Holy Spirit was just like, bro. He said, bro. He said, uh, you, <laughs> maybe he didn't, but <laughs> bro, <laughs> you, he said, obedience is better than strategy. What I heard in this was my, my propensity to just get after strategy and eliminate God from the equation. Strategy could be exchanged for scheming, right? You're boastful, boasting in your arrogant scheming. Strategy is good planning. It's good leadership. It's what you should do. But, man, there was just this real resolve that the, the Spirit of God was putting in my heart to just kind of calm down the strategic mode for a second and allow my heart just to be absolutely dependent on the Spirit's prompting. See, what obedience requires is leadership from God. If you and I are going to be obedient to God, we got to hear His voice. we got to sense His promptings as we read Scripture. 
We got to know this is God illuminating this verse to me. He wants me to change something, and so I'm going to obey what he just said. It requires room and space in our hearts for the Spirit to lead, to impress, to, 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 to challenge, to, to poke at us. And, and for, for my most strategic days, there is zero room for the Spirit of God to get in there and challenge anything. I mean, you just ask my wife, if I've made my mind up that that's the mountain we're going to climb, she's like, babe, we, everybody, we're going to climb it. Whether it's the right mountain or not, you are going to get us up that mountain. And I think there's a real strength about that, right, to my leadership, my tenacity. Blah, blah, blah. But what if it's not even the right stinking mountain to climb? Because I didn't take the time to hear from God on that or to try to discern that. I just, I just knew. And I feel like this is the, the humble spot that God wants me to be in. Because the pressure as a leader is that you've got to have the future figured out for this, all these people that God's given you to lead. And you've got to have this all worked out and the, the plan's got to be all put in place. Spirit of God, it was actually, this is my church, and I want to lead it through you. I don't need you to lead it for me. I want to go through you, not, not around you. I want to actually lead my church through people like you. You, your spot, your family, your relationships at work. God actually wants to impact those things and those people through you. And if you are so consumed with your strategic planning, your, your future, your agenda, your stuff, God has no room to work in our lives and to work through us into the people around us. I go, God, forgive me. Who do I think I am? I've gotten so arrogant. I've gotten so self-righteous, so independent, so consumed with my own agendas and my own ideas. Since the Spirit of God just gone, bro, I want you to just settle into a daily obedience with me. And here's the greatest thing about this for me personally, that God has just been going, I, I want to lead you, but you got to ask me for, your le- for leadership in your life. My prayer life has just, like, grown so much. As I'm going, well, God, I'm starting to be anxious about this thing that I'm supposed to be planning right now because the schedule tells me I'm to plan it right now. What do I do about it? He's like, great. That's all I wanted was that question right there. Let me show you. Let me tell you. As, I'm, as we're praying... God begins to speak and answer and reveal and open our eyes and our hearts to see and sense what he wants. And then we're given the opportunity to obey. And just feel like this this conversation isn't real rocket science today at all. And some of you are not blown away at all by this conversation. It's really simple, yeah. But it's really difficult. And I think that that's why we need each other. And that's why we need the church. That's why we need these moments in the presence of God is to be reminded of just how simple and just how pure this is that you and I would be called into a relationship with God so that he can lead us to the people that he's called us to become. We are not there yet. So let's lead our hearts to a place of humility where we recognize there is so much obedience to be done. We don't need to be freaking out about all those other things that we're trying to figure out. Let's just worry about the simple things. James finishes this passage with a gut punch. He said, listen, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. It's sin for them. You see, disobedience? There's things you know that God's given you to do, but you're wrapped up in all this other judgment and slander and planning and future oriented you just 
Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. There's a simplicity to that. There's a simplicity to just backing up and going, wow, God. You said that the world would know that we are your disciples by our love for one another. There's a lot of loving to be done in obedience to who God has called us to be before we get wrapped up in all this other stuff. There's a lot of forgiving to be done. There's a lot of apologizing to be done. There's a lot of obedience to be done. James is going, man, if you know what you are to be doing and you're not doing it, you're kind of missing this thing. I think this is so humbling. <laughs> Isn't it? Just go, yeah. God, I, I sense you speaking to me. Now, am I going to be a person that allows myself to get wrapped up in all that arrogant stuff? Or can I learn to lead my heart to a place of humility? To accurately view who I really am. That you are God and I am not. That you're in control. I am not. The future you have, God, is in your hands, and I'm going to trust you for it. And I'm going to follow you into it. I'm not going to try to make my own way there. I'm just going to stay right here. One of my favorite authors, Tozer, speaks of humility existing in the shadow of God. When you're right behind him, not outside of him, out in front of him. It's just right there in the pocket. That's kind of how I envision this conversation. It's how do I get myself back into his shadow? Where I'm, Paul says, keeping in step with the Spirit. Not running down this road or making all these riding steps. You know, I, coming to you with this message today is difficult. It's not. <laughs> it's like preaching about tithing. Like, ask any pastor who loves that Sunday, right? Like, uh, but I think it's so important for us to settle our hearts here. So I want to just lead you in a moment of prayer. This is between you and God for a second right now. Why don't you just maybe you grab your Connect card or jot a note on your phone. Maybe just closing your eyes. Just allow the Spirit to speak to you right now. Maybe there's a hunger for humility that he's put in your heart. Maybe there's just a recognition of pride that he's wanting to show you. Just acknowledge what he's saying. Yes, Lord, I, I hear you.
you stand to your feet with me today? I'd love to pray with you before we leave. Spirit of God, we just we just humble ourselves before you. God, we repent. God, we just repent. We recognize, God, how small these lives are. And yet, your love, your grace is so good, God, towards us. Thank you for meeting us in this time. Thank you for speaking to us. God, as you just purify our lives, purify our hearts, as you reorient our focus and our energy, God, I just ask, Lord, that you would be glorified in each of these lives. If someone here today needs to come to you for the first time, God, I pray that you would give them the courage right now to just repent and come to you. If some have been super judgmental and slanderous, God, I pray that you would just give them the courage to just lay all that judgment and slander down right now in the name of Jesus. we've gotten caught up in our scheming and our strategy, Lord, we just just lay the future before you right now. Just open our hands, God. You're in control. We are not. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love and your forgiveness. Thank you, God, that our sin propensity doesn't change how you see us that you love us, that you've called us, that you've forgiven us, that you're making us new, you're making us clean, God. We just honor you today. We thank you for these moments together, God. You are so faithful. Worship you. Real life, I, I love you a ton. I'm thankful that God has you here today. and. Our team will be up here in a few minutes. We'd love to pray with you. Love to talk to you about anything, your next steps, getting connected. He's talking to a friend between services, and he's totally isolated right now as he's struggling through a total life change. God got a hold of his heart, but now, like, all of life has to be changed. It's hard. That's why we need each other. That's why you need to be in a group. Talk to our groups, pastors. We'd love to help you take those next steps. You need to be baptized. We'd love to talk with you, pray with you about that. See Rachel out there in the lobby. Get signed up for One Heart Saturday. It's going to be so much fun. Can't wait to serve alongside you. I love you a ton. Have an awesome week of your life.